Well, no doubt at some point this Christmas season, whether you've chosen to or not, there's a song that you've heard. It's the most wonderful time of the year. With the kids jingle belling and everyone telling you, be of good cheer. It's the most wonderful time of the year. And there's a sense we can all relate to that, right? Christmas is a special time. The lights, the decorations, the traditions, the gifts, uh, so many things that make this season special. But if we're honest, it's not always the most wonderful time of the year. And for some people, it's, it's not even close. For some people, it might be the worst time of the year. I mean, it would definitely be a true song if somebody was saying, it's the busiest time of the year. I mean, that line, there'll be parties for hosting. Yeah, that's true. And you've hosted probably three by this point, and you've gone to two more, and that there, there's a work party and a church party and a, a family party and, and all these different things to go to. For many of you, work is crazy this time of year because 2019 is almost over, and so there's so much you need to do to, to wrap up the year and hit certain goals or, or plan certain budgets or do all kinds of things. Also, all those presents we hope to enjoy tomorrow, somebody has to buy those. And uh, that can be stressful and, and busy as you've got a hard deadline of December 25th, except for maybe those relatives that you're like, oh, we can ship that on the 26th, right? But for most people, you've got that hard deadline that you need to meet, and it's busy. And for some people, it's more than just busy. Maybe you're really looking forward to being with your family this Christmas. There's a lot of people that, well, they're really not. And that's going to be awkward or painful. Or for some, this, this Christmas will be painful because there's somebody that was here last Christmas that's not here this Christmas. And Christmas will bring back memories or Christmas will feel empty. Or there's some that Christmas and even all the giving gets them looking at their finances and looking at the end of this year and looking ahead to next year and saying, how's this all going to work out? I mean, that song, it's the most wonderful time of the year. It focuses on all, all the frills, all the stuff, all the, 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 the baggage of Christmas. But it doesn't really talk about what Christmas is all about. Because whether you're coming in here tonight saying, hey, it's, it's the most wonderful night of the year. I'm so excited. This has been great. I can't wait for tomorrow to be with my family. Or whether you're coming in here saying, this is the worst Christmas I've ever had in my life. And I'm hurting. Let's get past all just the put on a happy face and slap a smile on Christmas and let's get to what are we talking about? And tonight we want to talk about one word that no matter where you're at tonight should encourage all of us and that word is Emmanuel. And Keegan read the verse earlier where it's connected to the Christmas story, right? Matthew chapter 1. Joseph, you know, his fiance is pregnant, not by him. And he's saying, well, this is awkward. I'm probably out of this. And the angel of the Lord comes to him and says, don't. This child is conceived by the Holy Spirit. Mary, Mary, name him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. And that's when it says this fulfilled the prophecy that a virgin would conceive and bear a son and you will call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. No matter where we are this Christmas, this is what we need to wrap our minds around. This truth that God is with us. 
And to understand that, I want us to go back, not to the Christmas story where we see this prophecy. I want us to go way back. I want us to go back 2,700 years to the time of the kings of Israel and the kings of Judah to when that prophecy was first spoken. And what we're going to find is the deeper we go back into that history, the more relevant we're going to find this truth is for you right here today at the end of 2019. So if you've got a Bible, take it and open it up to Isaiah chapter 7. If not, don't worry, it's a story and I'll be reading it along to you. But it's Isaiah chapter 7. That is where this prophecy of Emmanuel comes from. And Isaiah chapter 7, it starts off by saying, In the days of Ahaz, the son of Jotham, the son of Uzziah, king of Judah. Let me just stop you right there. We're looking at King Ahaz. And he was a bad guy. Not a good king. You think of kings like, you know, David or, or these other kings that sought the Lord. Not Ahaz. He worshipped idols, and even it, it tells us in other parts of the Old Testament, he even would sacrifice some of his children to idols. This was a wicked king. But in his days, Rezin, that's the king of Syria, and Pekah, the son of Remaliah, the king of Israel, came up to Jerusalem to wage war against it, but could not yet mount an attack against it. When the house of David was told, Syria is in league with Ephraim, the heart of Ahaz and the heart of his people shook as the trees of the forest shake before the wind. So we have to remember the nation of Israel at this point has broken up into two kingdoms. You've got the southern kingdom of Judah. That's where Jerusalem is and that's still the line of David. And then you've got this northern kingdom of Israel. And then above that, you've got another kingdom called Syria. Let's just kind of put this into some Treasure Valley geography for us to get our, our minds around it. Let's say, hey, we're all a part of the, the nation of Judah. And the nation of Judah is the little city of, of Cuna, right? It's down there in the south. It's the southern part of the valley. And we're down there living our lives, but we hear, uh-oh, the king of Meridian and the king of Eagle have joined forces together, and they have marched down, they have set up camp, and they are getting ready to invade, right? That's the scene. And the result, it says, is everybody's scared. The heart of Ahaz and the heart of his people, they shook as the trees shook, as trees shake before the wind. Now, we might not be able to relate to kings and invasions and all these things, but can you relate to your heart shaking like trees shaking in the wind? Probably wasn't the threat of an invasion, but maybe it was a diagnosis from the doctor. Maybe it was the tragedy of somebody calling you and letting you know what, it, what, what happened. Maybe it's a financial situation. Maybe it's a lost job. But something that really shook you to your core. That's what they're experiencing here. And in light of all that, verse 3, God starts talking to Isaiah. And he says, go out to meet Ahaz, you and your son, at the end of the conduit of the upper pool on the highway to the washer's field. And say to him, Isaiah, this is what I want you to say to King Ahaz. Be careful, be quiet, do not fear. And do not let your heart faint because of these two smoldering stumps of firebrands. At the fierce anger of Rezin, that's the king of Syria, and the son of Remaliah, that's the king of Israel. Because Syria 
with Ephraim, it's another word for Israel, and the king there, they've devised evil against you, saying, let us go up against Judah and terrify it, and let us conquer it for ourselves and set up our own king in the midst of it. And then God gives his word, thus says the Lord. You worried about this, King Ahaz? It shall not stand. It shall not come to pass. And then he talks about the head of Syria is Damascus. That's the city. And the head of Damascus, the capital city, is Rezin, the king. And within 65 years, Ephraim, the kingdom of Israel, will be shattered from being a people. And the head of Ephraim is Samaria. That's the capital city. And the head of Samaria is the son of Remaliah. That's their king. He's saying, I'm going to wipe these kingdoms out. And then he ends it with this, speaking to the king, if you are not firm in faith, you will not be firm at all. That's the message of God, even to this wicked king. Don't worry. Don't be afraid. I'm going to wipe out these kingdoms. But you be careful because if you're not strong in your faith, you won't be strong at all. And then the Lord speaks to the king and says, ask a sign of the Lord your God. Let it be as deep as Sheol or as high as heaven. But Ahaz said, I will not ask, and I will not put the Lord to the test. You ever been around somebody that's just a total fake, right? Meet King Ahaz, right? He doesn't mean what he's saying. I mean, he's being openly sarcastic, and God even uh, picks up on it. The prophet uh, does. He says, hear then, O house of David, in verse 13, is it too little for you to weary men that you weary my God also? He's basically saying, okay, enough of your attitude, King Ahaz. And then he says this, therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. And then it basically goes on to describe before this son is even grown up, these kingdoms, they're going to be gone. This child is going to be the sign. The virgin shall conceive and bear a son. It's an ancient story of ancient kings and ancient kingdoms that seem so far removed from us. But really, it's a story about fear and faith. And those are things that are just as relevant now, 2,700 years later, as they were the day that Isaiah gave this prophecy. And at Christmas time, even, this is the fight that many of us are fighting a battle of fear and faith. Let's talk about those things. Let's talk about fear for a minute. And one thing we see from this story that God even highlights is that your fears are never as big as God. Your fears are never as big as God. He, he says, hey, th these, these kings, he calls them two smoldering stumps of firebrands. He's basically saying they're all smoke and no substance. They're all bark and no bite, right? And even if you think about a fire and sometimes when it gives off the most smoke, right? I think about the smoker I've got in my backyard that I'll be firing up for Christmas dinner tomorrow. We cooked tri-tip and, and salmon on it for our life group Christmas party last week. It was great. You guys should really join our, our life group. It was, it was a good time, right? Well, when does that thing create the most smoke? It's actually after I turn it off, right? And, and the pellets kind of run out of gas and then they're just smoldering, right? And, and when, when they've lost their heat, when they've lost their fire, they just give up all this smoke. And God's saying, 
these kings that you're afraid of, that's what they are. They're nothing, but they're just giving off a lot of smoke. And really, how many times is that the way we are with fear? We've turned something that's nothing, we've turned something that's small into this huge deal because we're caught up in all the smoke of it when there's really no substance to it, and especially not whenever we compare it to God. Our fears are nothing compared to God. The other thing we see here in this story, especially if we were to read it and play out, is that fear is actually a much bigger problem than what we're afraid of. Fear ends up doing more damage than the things that we're scared about. I mean, look at this story. Right? God tells him, if you are not firm in faith, you won't be firm at all. God's telling this king, hey, the most important thing is, do you trust me or not? And the problem is, you're right, that was his answer. No. This king's answer was, no, I don't trust God. And even if we want to come back to our Treasure Valley scenario where the kingdom of Cuna and Big Bad Marinian and Eagle are coming to get us, basically this king, instead of trusting God, he goes out to the other kingdom. He runs off to the king of Boise and says, please help me. Please help me against these big bad kings. I'll do whatever you want, right? And what happens is the king of Assyria comes and he wipes out those other kingdoms, but he doesn't stop there. Then he comes in and invades the nation of Judah. And the one who he thought would help him ends up being the one who actually hurts him. His fear did more damage than these kingdoms that he was afraid of. It backfires on him. And we see that all over the scriptures, right? We see people afraid of something and that never pans out, but their fear has serious consequences. Think about the nation of Israel when they're going through the wilderness. They're approaching the promised land. God says, all right, it's time. And they send out 12 spies into the land. Remember what happens when they come back? Well, 10 of those spies whip the whole crowd into a frenzy saying, we can't do it, everybody. Well, let's go back to Egypt because the, the people are too big. The cities are too strong. We can't do it. Was that really a problem? No, God knocked the walls down. God slayed the giants. God gave the victory. But their lack of faith was a serious problem. And it led them to wander in the wilderness for 40 more years. Same is true for you. Your fear will end up doing more damage to you than what you're afraid of ever could. Fear will hurt your relationship with God. You'll, you'll, instead of running to him and taking refuge in him, you'll start running after a bunch of other things and seeking refuge or pleasure there. It'll hurt your relationships with other people. So you become skeptical and doubting of anything and anyone. I mean, even let's be honest, fear and anxiety can hurt your health, right? Jesus said, hey, which one of you by worrying can add even an hour to your life? And we know, yeah, that's actually going to take hours off of your life. Our fears are not as big as God, and our fear is actually a bigger problem than our fears. So what's the solution? Well, this is a story of fear and faith. Solution is faith. And go back to the first time we ever got together as a church. Faith was the first thing we talked about. And the first thing we said was faith is only as good as the object of your faith, right? Your trust is only good if what you're trusting in is actually solid. What are we trusting in? And that's when we come back to this sign, Emmanuel. 
Isaiah 7, 14, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. That is the hope. And there's a lot of interesting things we'll just kind of scratch the surface of tonight where some would attack this verse and say, well, the Hebrew word there translated virgin actually kind of means young maiden. It doesn't necessarily mean virgin. And there's another word that means virgin. So maybe this isn't what you think. But that's when we go to the New Testament and we see how it's fulfilled. It uses the Greek word that clearly means virgin. And then there's a lot of debate between professors and scholars about Okay, how is this fulfilled? Is there a double fulfillment here? Or is there a a single fulfillment here? Because some would look at chapter 8 and we read about Isaiah's son. And okay, maybe he's like a a short-term fulfillment and then Jesus is the ultimate fulfillment. I would probably argue, I, I don't think Isaiah's son fits the description. For one, he's not born of a virgin. For two, nobody ends up calling him Emmanuel. I think the ultimate fulfillment is Jesus. And even the people that will argue about that, that's what everybody does agree on. The ultimate fulfillment of this prophecy is Jesus Christ. The virgin, the virgin Mary conceives, bears a son, and they call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Or even if you look at that word, you see it ends with L. That means God starts with in, that's, that's with, God with us. And sometimes you'll see it start with an I, sometimes with an E. That depends whether they're getting it from the Hebrew or the Latin. It's all the same deal. God with us. And this is what we should look to for hope. Because when we talk about what's our biggest problem and even what should be our biggest fear, it should be the problem of sin. How sin could destroy our lives, the, the eternal destruction that sin leads to. I mean, that's something to be afraid of. But remember Matthew chapter 1? You should call his name Jesus. Why? Because he will save his people from their sins. God has saved us from this biggest thing through Jesus Christ. And it happened because Jesus, the Son of God, took on humanity. The Creator entered his creation and he lived and he died for us. And this is the sign to show that God is with us us. And that's a promise that that hasn't stopped, right? Even though Jesus left, he said, I'm going to send you another helper. Now we have the Holy Spirit living inside of us if we're believers. And Jesus made the promise, I'm going to come again. And, And we should trust in that. And the sign that we look back to is this birth. The virgin bore a son named Jesus. Think about signs. I mean, I think about this one that I wear every day, right? I mean, this is the, the sign that reminds me, oh yeah, there's somebody that loves me, right? Even the, it's, it's this Hebrew on the ring. It says, I am my beloved and my beloved is my, right? It's, a, it's the sign. But the substance is, well, there's this woman named Holly Blakey. She's my wife and we love each other, right? The birth of Jesus, it's the sign. It's the sign that we look to. The substance of that sign is God is with us. Because Jesus came into the world, we know still today there's a real God who will never leave us or forsake us. That's what it says in Hebrews chapter 13. And even it's amazing in that context, it's saying, hey, don't worry about money. Don't run after sexual immorality, right? Don't go seeking these other things. I've got everything you need. I will never leave you nor forsake you, right? That is 
the promise. We don't need to be afraid of anything. We don't need to worry about having enough. We need to look at Jesus Christ. Think about the word magnify. That's a word that comes up at Christmas time, right? Mary, we refer to her prayer in Latin as the Magnificat because she says, my soul magnifies the Lord. He has done great things for me. There's a couple different ways that you can magnify things. One, you can magnify things through a microscope, right? What's going on when you do that? You're taking something that's really small, even microscopic, and you're blowing it up and making it look bigger than it is so you can see it. That's what our fear does a lot of the time, right? We take something that's small and we blow it up and we make it bigger than it is. On the other hand, you've got a microscope, but then you've got a, a telescope. What happens when you look through a telescope, right? You're looking at something huge, or to quote Buddy the Elf, something ginormous. And you're looking up at, you know, the stars or galaxies or whatever it might be, and it's magnifying something that's huge to let you get a little glimpse of how big it really is. That's what faith does. Because faith, we're looking at God, and it's magnifying Him. God, someone who is infinite and beyond our comprehension, and allowing us just to get a greater glimpse of who he is. What are you going to do this Christmas? Are you going to look through the microscope at the things that you're afraid of? Or are you going to look through the telescope at the God that's bigger than all? And what we should be looking at, what I want you guys to be thinking about tonight and tomorrow is this sign. That the birth of Jesus Christ means something. It's not just, hey, look at our little nativity set. You know, hey, yeah, let's read the story No, it means God is with us. Today, 2,000 years later, God is still with us. And we know that. And I'd encourage you, I know 2019 probably had some ups and downs for all of us, right? Look back at this year. And if you are a believer, will you be able to look back and find any time, well, God totally bailed on me there? No. In the ups, in the downs, you'll look back and see God was with me. So as we come into Christmas, let's remember these words that God said to the prophet. Yes, the words of the sign of Emmanuel, but also remember these words. If you are not firm in faith, you will not be firm at all. And maybe there's some of you here tonight that the problem is you've never even put your faith in Christ to begin with. You've never fully let go of trusting yourself or leaning on something else to trust Christ. And first and foremost to say, God, I'm a sinner. I need a savior. And Jesus is the only one. I'm trusting him. If you've never done that, then tonight needs to be the night. If you're not firm in faith, you will not be firm at all. That's not going to work out for you. Put your trust in Christ. And for all of us, let's remember the significance. This baby in a manger is the reminder. It's the sign that God is with us. And let's not be afraid this Christmas. Let's be full of faith. So what we're going to do is I'm going to pray, and then we're going to sing another couple familiar Christmas carols to end our time tonight that both touch on this theme of God, this infinite great God being present with us and showing that through the birth of his son, Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. God, we thank you so much for Christmas. We thank you that Jesus Christ came into the world to save us from our sin. God, we thank you that there's hope that comes from that. God, we're, we're thankful that we have no reason 
to be afraid because you're with us. God, we, we think of that familiar psalm, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. We think of those words, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. God, fill us with that hope. God, I don't know what all the things people in this room might be dealing with this Christmas, but God, I pray that you would fill all of us with a stronger faith. Let us not magnify our fear and take things that aren't that big and make them seem bigger. God, may we magnify our Savior. May we magnify our God. May we realize that He is so much bigger than anything that we could imagine. And He has shown us, He has proved to us that He is with us because He sent His Son into this world. God, we worship him now, and it's in his name that we pray. Amen.